Please don't hump my lamb. Dude, I am seven fingers in the Jim Beam. Get the fucking chili hot dog out of my face. Your next comedian coming to the stage. He's so funny. He's such a hoot. And making yeah, sure let me shove this well. baby out of my out of my juiced up jibs and then stoner and the fat man. Fuck you, Mark. Mark, pull up, everybody. <laughs> Yeah, Mark, Mark Poulos, as if we took a break, <laughs> and we're back. And action! <laughs> Hi, everybody. Stu McAllister's it's here. Me. Thank you for having me, Mark. He's the uh, second comedian and the third guest yeah. in 45 episodes. Well, that's good, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm honored. This is actually only my, I think, second podcast I've been on. I was on Maryfields before. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, the... Uh, because Stu was, Stu was the, I, I don't know why I have to look at the microphone when I talk into it. <laughs> Hello, microphone. Hello. <laughs> just, is this thing on? I'm just so used is, to being. Is, in is the... this on? Is it on? And I only asked that mark because numerous times I've done a podcast and it wasn't on. Well, we're, it's plugged into the computer it was at least, and the things are moving. It's been so. at least double digits. It's, mark. Get out of here. That's how stupid I am. <laughs> Like, oh, oh on your great. on your podcast, oh, I'm yeah. I'm on. Oh, yeah. Because on Stu, Stu has his own podcast. I what did. is it called now? It's called Elemental Podcast. Oh, okay. Off, off my joke. You know what's funny is when we were driving to the show last night, I didn't catch what it was <laughs> until I, no, I and I still didn't fuck. get it until this moment after <laughs> I saw the joke and the shirt <laughs> that you sell. I'm not L M N O P E podcast. Podcast. Lick. My nuts, like my nuts or penis. penis. I keep it classy. <laughs> I keep it classy for the people. Keep it classy. <laughs> so we are in Evansville, Indiana. We have uh, been a part of a very interesting... Uh, we were held captive. Yeah, we really were. <laughs> I don't know. I if if you're like... a fan of comedy, like I don't know how... Listen, I've been a part of some long shows... I've opened for Angel Salazar. I've opened for uh, uh, who's the other guy? Um, well, I've I've heard of like other people that do like three hour shows at well, the end of the thing. Can I, can I just tell you yeah. something quick here? I um I was given tickets to go see Ralphie May this yeah. past Sunday. I saw Ralphie last year, and he himself he did like two and a half hours himself. It just seems crazy. And, well, he. I didn't want tickets this year. I didn't want them. I didn't want them. The, like, the I need to guy, set aside my entire evening sure, for this, for this show. nonsense. But the radio guy was like, yeah, you want them? And I, I really was like, I want to, no, I don't. No, I don't want to go. I have shit to me. do tonight. I, I got life to live. So he, he gave it to me. I'm like, all right, I'll fucking go. And Because uh, yeah. I did... One of the local guys won a contest to open, so I'm like, all right, I'll, at least I'll go see him. Rob Cantrell showed up, and then Rob was on the first season yeah, of Ralphie, yeah. and I was kind of excited to see him. But he's I what's seen funny him is since. before you got here, I actually taped a podcast about Last Comic Stand. Oh yeah, they did. So, yeah. There you go. So just out. all the uh, the nonsense, all the nonsense and shenanigans. Rob is kind of, and I don't mean this in any dismissive way, and I'll come across that he's sort of like a poor man's Doug Benson. 
you know. It was oh, all, okay. It was all weed jokes. Yeah, okay. And I was like, all right, I got it. And it yeah. I'm not a weed guy. I never have been, so it wasn't for me. His yeah. wife, then Ralphie's wife came out, and she did the same shit she did last year. And it's not for me. Oh, I didn't even know he was married to a stand Lana, Lana Turner. Okay. She plays guitar and tells jokes. And... Um, <laughs> It was like when we were doing that contest in Dubuque, and oh. the guy that was going up in front of me in the preliminary round, yeah. he like pulls a guitar out, and I go, and he goes, eh, I gotta do it. And I go, no you don't. Alright. So thinking that he's a guitar comedian, because a lot of people on my podcast know I started out as a guitar comic, yes, yes. and I gave it up a long time ago, he, I don't think could be classified as a guitar comic. No, because all he did not from that show. Can he be classified as a comic? I don't think so. I, I don't know. It That's is weird. funny to me, like when I get when I get nervous now, yeah. when I'm when I meet somebody before a show and they seem like like oh my god, this guy is going to be a force of nature up there, and like I'm going to have real problems following him, and like oh, and they do something like that where he played like three chords of a song, and it's like the oldest. Music book, joke yeah. ever like right. uh, this is a song about my first time sexually was that what it was something, something like that yeah, and then yeah. he just like starts playing a really beautiful song and then it all starts fucking up and yeah. he's like and then he says sorry yeah it is a, it is a, I, you know you, you have six minutes you didn't need to do that yeah, you really you didn't. didn't need to do that my man he's so. got to show the range of his ability he did he did. <laughs> He did. He showed us right. I love you, Stu. I really do. <laughs> so, I would ask. We should, should we give him the background? I've known... How long have I known you? Has it been 10 years? How long have it's you... It's probably been pretty close. How long have you... When did you start hosting I, at Grins? Eight, nine years ago. It's okay. Been a, it's been, yeah. We've known each other a long time. It's been man. a while, man. And it's yeah, been, yeah, it's, it's been, been good. Yeah. There's been a lot of progress in your career, which I like. And yeah. I, I enjoy... Well, you know, and I don't... I, no, I don't. Maybe that came across Still, as dicky. Your your career is progressing. My career is <laughs> stalling. We're in Evansville, Indiana. I'm featured for a, a fucking open mic extravaganza. Extravaganza. <laughs> extravaganza. I don't think I finished that story. So last night, oh god, the show lasted. When did I get off stage? I got off stage at ten thirty, right? No, it was later than that because I think I got on stage at ten, didn't I? Oh shit, that's right. I got done at eleven thirty. Yeah, you were at eleven thirty. That show lasted for four and a half hours last yeah. night. Yeah. <laughs> four well, and a half hours. But what was what was the problem that you and I called? We when the open mic was done and they took that intermission. Everybody left. And two thirds of the crowd left. I mean the room was full. Because yeah. I had been warned about this room. Yeah. The room Light crowd, everything. This that. So, I was, so when we yeah, walked in there, I was like, "Holy shit, fuck, yeah. this is gonna be good." And then I was like, "Oh, it's just rough, man." Yeah, because yeah. it's like, I think both of us at the the point we are in our career, like we know things. Like there's uh -huh. no getting around it. Like we can for a second like believe that somehow there's going to be a different outcome, but we know, we yeah. know. That if there are people sitting and watching comedy for more than 90 minutes, that it's just not going to work. Sure. And no matter how different ways you slice it, no one can pay attention nowadays for longer than 90 minutes. Sure. And okay. to try to force... 
Because it was presented as though it was going to be like a festival, like an outdoor festival where people are like wandering in and out. And but no, like people sat down and the show started at seven and ended at ten thirty. We started with a hundred people. We ended with twenty four. You know, at best. Right. So you know, and it's it's disappointing when you see that. But it's like, what can you do? And (laughs) the guy who's who owns the club seems nice enough, but he just sort of seems unaware. Well, he did. He did confide in me outside that it was, he was trying something, mm-hmm. and he said like three comics in, he really realized he made a horrible mistake. Sure, <laughs> but he couldn't do anything about it. Sure, and that's. I don't know if anyone there in the room knows much about comedy because even yeah. the house MC is like, "Yeah, I've been doing this four months." I'm like, "Well, who's who's the ringleader here, <laughs> yeah. kind of running this?" Yeah. Like, clearly, none and of you guys said, know. Do you know who, what he said? It was oh, the bartender's God. idea. All right. Okay. What does the bartender know? <laughs> so There's a we, fucking bucket of Corona lights by the door with no one watching it. I took three last night. No one stopped me. The lady came in. Yeah. So do we just grab beers or how did this work? Yeah, just help yourself. <laughs> just, just help yourself. Go ahead. So do just it yourself. Head behind the bar, mix yourself up a drink. Right. This is like a house party. Nobody's really <laughs> nobody's running. You pay. Them. You pay the door for a free cup. You get a cup. And then booze is for free. You pay for the kind of oh, booze. Oh, So. So that's where we are. We are in Evansville, Indiana. Do you want to tell the story again about your shirt? Because it was just... Oh, I God. feel bad that we yeah. didn't get that on uh, the podcast. Because it was silly. It was silly. <laughs> Stu, Stu walked in. He's got a Millennium Falcon shirt on. Yeah, and I said... Huh? It actually is pretty sweet. I'm yeah. a huge fan of Star Wars. Yeah. And uh, I asked... All the specs. And I just said, you know, it's a cool shirt. And... Not knowing that there was this huge, hilarious story behind it. And I was, like, trying to set up the shit. And I'm like, record. Stop talking, Stu. Stop talking. <laughs> All right, I'll go. Save I'll, the magic yes. for the show. I will, I will recap. So uh, you did You did a tour. did a tour. How many guys. guys were on the tour? There were four of us in a uh, Chevy Cruze. <laughs> and I was Do the I smallest. Do I know the four guys? I was the smallest. <laughs> Get the fuck out I was of here. The small, I was the tallest, but I'm the smallest as well. How yeah. tall are you, Stu? Six five. Okay. So and you were you were yeah. the tallest yet the smallest. And I still weighed like two hundred pounds. Yeah. So I'm not like a small person in any sense. But yeah. So who the hell were the other three guys? Do you know, uh, they're all relatively newer. They're all Ohio okay. guys. There's Keith Bergman out of Toledo, mm-hmm. Mike Czar out of Toledo, and uh, Dustin Meadows out of Columbus. Never heard of it. Yeah, Keith but Bergman put it together. They're all nice dudes. It was yeah. a southern tour. We did a sh- start off in. Where did Toledo. you meet them? Um, just in Toledo, I met mm. Keith and Mike there, and then I met okay. Dustin through those two guys. And he, what we did is we did a show in Toledo, the three of us, and then we went down to Columbus and picked up Dustin, who was hammered out of his mind when we picked him up. <laughs> he apparently did, it was like a goodbye show in Columbus, so he got fucked up. <coughs> Where was he moving to? Chicago. Oh, good. And so he, he just kept talking about finger banging chicks or something it was very weird this is my introduction to this very large man talking about finger banging chicks drunk out of his mind as we're driving any of through them the night. uh black no we're all white. really all yeah. white dudes we're all white dudes okay. in this car heading down south we were going down to Mo- mobile island no tuscaloosa so, tuscaloosa so all the shows that you did were independent booked or yes. were they through bookers they were in except one we did one show that was legitimate in uh Somewhere not Macon, Georgia. 
Decatur, Georgia. Somewhere in Georgia. It was a Steve Sadie. Oh, room. it was probably, uh, what the hell is the name of that place? I have done it. I can't remember. It's a Steve Sadie yeah. room. So that was the only one where we did comedy where people like actually were there to kind of oh, wait, see was comedy. Wait, was it Marietta, Ohio? Marietta? No, no. Marietta, it was, it was down in Georgia. Oh, We okay. were in Georgia. And uh, so we were coming back from Georgia yeah. to do a bed and breakfast in southern Indiana. The name so of the bed and breakfast the was The Cat and the Fiddle. <laughs> the, cat the, the Cat and the Fiddle, people. The Cat and the Fiddle. This is, it's so, all right. So we're driving. It's like an 11-hour drive. So we're just yeah. busting ass. We're going to get there probably about 15 minutes before showtime. I'm just going to shut and, this uh, air off. Shut the air off. It's picking up some stuff. So on our way there, half hour outside, we get want to get a good sweat going oh, during this podcast. I'm, I'm sweating now just from telling the stupid story. But the, the guy, so wait a minute, the show yeah. was at the the bed and breakfast. It was at it. Yes, we were in the breakfast nook. We're telling jokes. Get the fuck oh, out yeah, of yeah. here! Dude, I'm telling you this. For how many people? Uh, well, who knows? Like, it probably could have fit forty, but there were probably eight. Oh my god! Okay. Uh, so like a half hour before the show, my buddy Keith gets a text from the guy who put it together yeah. saying, hey, just so you guys know, this is a G show. And G-rated. G-rated. And clearly none of us are G comics. Yeah. Like we're not even PG no, comics. Yeah. And like I don't know too many guys who are or would want to be. So we're all like, finger banging ah, jokes yeah, are going to go over too much at the bed. So it, it's awful, right? It's just awful. So we're all like, okay, truncated sets. We're all doing something short. We get there. The youngest person in the room is probably 60, and they're, it's just old, and it's just like, you get in there, and it's this weird fucking hoarder slash TJI Fridays kind of vibe, because there's just shit everywhere, stuff all over the walls, you're like, ah, oh, I'm hating it for a moment one, and uh, my buddy Mike gets on, he just does five, and he bolts, he's like, thank you, good night. My buddy Dustin, the finger-banging guy, gets on. He, he's not doing very well. But unbeknownst to me, he also knows how to play guitar. So there's a guitar on the wall. So yeah. he's like, all right, I'm going to play some songs. So he's playing some songs. And then all of a sudden, this is the crazy part. Uh, some woman apparently ran out to her car, grabbed a fiddle, came in and starts playing fiddle with him on guitar. <laughs> and then another woman... Grab the fucking bass off the wall. She's like playing bass. So there's a fucking like concert going on. They're singing country hillbilly songs, and the crowd's loving it. Yeah, they're, lo- they're like going. Rah! Oh my god! And like, I, and, but it's not comedy. I'm like, no, how, yeah. I'm like, how do I follow this? And I can't. I yeah. Don't. yeah, I don't. I get up there, I say words, people stare. There you go. So I leave, and this this I can't remember the name of the town, but this town is legitimately. It's like 50 people live in this town. It's just. Uh, 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 a destination point, bed and breakfast. Yeah. There's nothing there. So I go with my buddy, Mike, who went first, and I'm like, I need to fucking go for a walk. Yeah. So we go for a walk. There is, for whatever reason, a comic book shop in this town. It's closed because it's late at night, but I'm like going tomorrow because I saw this Millennium Falcon show. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to go back tomorrow and just buy this t- to remind me of this shitty yeah. evening that we had. So we're walking around the town and we see this very cool building. Still kills me this lady. <laughs> <laughs> we see this building. It looks like an old bank. It's got <clears throat> huge windows. Yeah. It's all huge cement, very ornate. And there's a woman inside. We clearly see her. We're walking past the, the thing, the, her house. She comes outside and she's like, Hey, do you know where John is? 
And we were like, yeah, we saw John down the road because we're just fucking with her. And she's like, you don't know who John is. We're like, yeah, you caught us, lady. You caught us. And then she says, do you want to fuck? And I'm and like. that was the amazing part of the story is yes. that you declined. Yeah, I declined. I declined. I don't know. I thought this was a trap. I figured her husband John was in the house with a shotgun. I didn't know what was going on, but I was like, no. So then she looks at Mike, and she's like, you want to fuck? And he was like, no, I will pass as well. This it was strange. This doesn't seem like a true story. <laughs> that two, two comedians were offered random, random sex, and they sex. didn't accept it. From some, it was like some drunk middle-aged woman. It just seemed very, very crazy. So we just kept walking. We get back to the house, and we tell the people at the... Because the show's over, thankfully, by that time yeah. we get back. And they were like, oh, yeah, that was uh, that was Drunk Betty, or whatever her name was. <laughs> and so we're, then the woman who actually owns it comes, and we're telling her a story. And she's like, oh, no, that wasn't Drunk Betty. That was Crazy Alice, or whatever her name is. <laughs> so there's two fucking weirdo ladies in this town of, like, 50 who have very distinct Just personalities. wandering out on the street. Yeah. Anybody want this? Yeah. <laughs> well, apparently, I can't remember if it's Crazy Alice or Drunk Betty, but one of them will just, like, Line her yard naked. Apparently. Oh, all just right. like legitimately, like there's weird shit happening in this town. So I will apparently because <laughs> if you start playing a guitar, someone will someone run in with a fiddle. So yeah, that was the craziest thing ever, man. It was at uh, You're fucking Twilight Zone. Yeah, I, that's when I discovered I hate this place. Yeah, so, and we we ended up. That's where we stayed. We stayed there that night. Did and you then, have to eat breakfast with the people that saw the show? Yeah. Oh God! The next morning. Well, Holy just a couple. They're all. I don't. I think to be honest, I think we were the only ones who actually stayed there. The other people were townies or something yeah. like that. But the um, the guy who wanted uh, uh, who played guitar and was doing all doing all the finger breaking jokes, he wanted to bang the woman who owned the bed and breakfast. So oh. he was trying to work some magic because she was the one who grabbed the fucking bass and was playing yeah. bass. So he was trying to work his mojo. She was pretty attractive. Did he? Do some finger Seal the deal? Nah, no, he got nothing. He got nothing. <laughs> Dustin has. If Dustin listens to this, I love Dustin. He, I don't think he has the ability to seal the deal. He can get oh. it going. He can open the door. He can't close yeah. the door. He's not uh, ABC. Like a lot of companies. always be closing. Yeah. He's not. Lo- lo- I'll always be closing. Always be closing. Jesus. I think most comics don't know how to close the door. I don't know how to close I, the door. Yeah. I've never been good at it. No, there's uh have you had like, uh, you know, I don't think they're, that I'm going out on the limb by mm-hmm. saying that we are both uh, weird-looking gentlemen. For sure. Uh, <laughs> For sure. I'm not gonna lie. I know what I'm at. I'm not on the cover of GQ or any of that shit. Have you ever had uh, a scenario out on the road where you, you literally had a woman like in your room, and they left? Before anything before happened. happened, before clothes were on the floor, yeah. um, my clothes were on the floor. Right. <laughs> no, you know what? And this, this guy, this makes me sound like bigger loser than I actually am. I have never, ever been in that situation, ever. Not once. Never, not once. And, and I think a lot of it is I don't actually pursue it. Either. Yeah. Like I'm not the kind of guy like trolling for poon or whatever. Yeah. Like a lot, I've worked with a lot of guys like that's oh, what yeah. they're about. That's just but I've never thing. I've never been that guy. And there's only been one situation where and it was in uh, it was in Minneapolis. I was at uh, the House of Comedy. Okay. And it's I was emceeing 
It wasn't and the waitress. No, no, it wasn't the waitress. No, don't, yeah. don't fuck the wait staff. Yeah, 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 Holy yeah. At the House of Comedy, yeah, yeah, yeah no, nothing like that. But it was, I got to work with John Panette, and John oh, yeah. was an awesome dude. But he God leaves, rest his soul. God rest his soul. He leaves after the show. He doesn't hang out. Yeah. And then I worked with Nate Abshire. famous people. They yep. just leave. Abshire was the feature. He's a local guy. Yeah. So he left. So I'm just sitting at the bar. There yeah. were two women there. And they started talking to me. I wasn't talking to them. And then uh, they were like, hey, let's go to this bar. On the other side, there's some Mexican bar there. Three-way? <laughs> the, one, the, one, the one woman was married, but she was telling me that the other girl was interested. Yeah. And then I should really talk to her. So I was, and it seemed like things were going really good. Yeah. But I was staying with John Conroy. I was staying oh, with him. Who he lives, <laughs> at the time, he lived a good half hour, 40 minutes yeah. outside of town. And I'm like, the whole scenario, if I was yeah. trying to make anything happen, was, was not going to happen in my brain. Because yeah. I'm like going, I'm not going to take some random girl back to John Conroy's house where he doesn't even actually live there. He was sort of like house-sitting. It was all, the whole thing was <laughs> fucked up. And he was on a bison farm. Did you know that? He lived no. on a bison farm Holy for a while. Shit. The first night when I got there, and the next morning I look out the window, there's fucking buffalo roaming around. I'm like, where the fuck am I? It was weird. It was weird. Someone who can grab a fucking guitar off the wall and start playing country hillbilly music. You walk by and John is riding a bison by. Yeah. Let me show you Woo! where you're staying. Start shoveling shit. It's part of the rules. But uh, I, thought, this, I thought there'd be manure. This woman, so much. was she was really interested and her friend was like, yeah, you gotta get her number, yeah. this or that. So I asked her for her number and she was like, no. She was <laughs> She's no. Like, no. <laughs> Not even a fake one. Not even eight five six. Or whatever. Oh, she, she said no, and it was very confused by me. Even her friend was like, "Yeah, I don't know what's going on here." Yeah. And I said, "All I want to do is like, let's get lunch tomorrow, because you know it was a fucking yeah. House of Comedy is a long it week. Is it's a Tuesday lot. through Sunday. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And I'm like, going, I don't know anybody here. If you just want to get lunch or something, I'm not. Wasn't trying to do anything. No. She's like, yeah. She was like, no. <laughs> she was like, I was like, what? It was very, and she was like, we went up, she wanted to dance, we're on the dance floor, she's like grinding on me and stuff, and it was, this is not the kind of stuff yeah. that happens, and she was giving very weird signals, and so I said, alright, here's what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you my card, I'm going to mm -hmm. put my phone number on it, and then I just wanted you to give me a call or shoot me an email or whatever, she never did, she never did, it was very strange, yeah. it was very, very weird. I didn't. I did go. Hey, can I come back to your place? You want to come back to my? It's, that isn't my style. I'm too. I think part of the problem is I'm old. I'm yeah. old. And uh, I started old. Yeah. And so it's never been like, eh, let's go get some chicks. Yeah. I just, you know. And I've, even when I was that age, it still wasn't that way. I had, uh, I had two or three occasions when I first started in comedy mm -hmm. where I had strange. I think the stri I think the strangest one of all was uh, I was doing Madison. Yeah. And I had known the MC for a couple weeks, and uh, and she was um, dating another comic friend of mine or something. Mm -hmm. But she was like, a friend of mine's gonna come down to the Saturday show, and she's like having a tough time. So I'm just like, you know, gonna get her some drinks and stuff. And I actually think that you guys would hit it off or whatever. Great. You know, I think I was featuring for. Pat Godwin, I think, oh, at the time. I love Pat. Yeah, Pat was cool, man. I'd been doing comedy for maybe like two or three years. So mm -hmm. she introduced us, <clears throat> and this girl was like, not wasted, but she was like feeling no pain. Sure. And so she's sure. like, 
yeah, this is the this is the guy. Just saw him up there, and she's like, oh my god, and like we we hit it off immediately, and it was like very like sexually charged at, right off the bat. Like right. it was a lot of huggy, like a lot of her touching me and stuff, and then we ended up like walking around Madison and she's like let's go into this place and it ended up being a porn shop Yikes. and she's like showing me all the stuff that she uses at home <laughs> I got this one <laughs> yeah. and, the, buddy. <laughs> and the guy the guy at the porn shop uh, he's like man you better get her home and take care of business <laughs> and I was like alright so uh, it was right down the street from where we were staying so we went back to my room yeah and uh, she immediately just stripped down to her underwear and climbed into bed. And I was like, well, I guess this is happening. And sure. it was, like, really early, I remember. It was, like, 10 o'clock at night. Wow. Like, uh, I think it was Thursday, so we had just had the one show. Mm-hmm. So I get down to my boxers. I get into bed behind her, and I reached over, and I grabbed her boob. And she looked at me, and she went... I see what you want. And she climbed out of bed and started getting dressed. What? And I go, wait, what just happened? And she goes, oh, I, not interested. I go, what? what? I, go, <laughs> I go, wait a minute. Hey. I go, you were down to your underwear in bed. And she's like, I just thought it was going to be a nice evening, like, being close to somebody, but all you want is sex. Yeah. And I'm not into that. I gotta go. You just took me to a porn shop. Yeah. I go, and she just leaves. And I go, still reeling. I'm like, what exactly just happened? So I sat there for a couple minutes and I was like, as fat guys do, I go, well, I'm kind of hungry, so <laughs> I, <laughs> if it's not going to be sex, I better food go get some food. Down. So... I got dressed and I headed downstairs and she was sitting in the lobby and I said, I go, hey, I'm really sorry. I go, I, I go, can I just, can I give you a ride home or anything? And she's like, please don't talk to me. And I went, okay. So then I walked all the way down to the, the pizza place where they sell slices, uh, yeah. Ian's or whatever. Okay. Got a slice, ate it there, walked all the way back and she was still sitting there. And I was like, come on, this is stupid. Let me give you a ride home. And she's like, stop. And like, really, like, I, have you ever done, you've done Madison? No? Okay. Well, the hotel that they have you stay in is downtown. And it's yeah. it's a relatively nice place. It's called the Concourse Inn. Okay. And the lobby is huge. And there's couches and, and like a restaurant and everything. And there was quite a few people around. So I was, when I said, you know, this is stupid. Let me just, is she just like really loud, like, Leave me alone! And I was like, okay, I'm out of here. Right. And I was just like, what the hell was that? Like, the only other time I had it was I was uh, I was in Grand Forks, North Dakota, and I'd been doing, I think I was still relatively new. I was maybe, I think it was the first time I ever went to Grand Forks. And they gave you free drinks at Grand Forks. So after the show... Uh, the headliner left, so I was just sitting at the bar having drinks, and this like really classy lady in like a fur sat down next to me, and she was like, uh, she was like, "How's your night treating you?" And I was like, oh, "Pretty good." And it was like February, so it was really cold outside. I was like, "Oh, it's treating me really good." And she's like, "Well, it's good. It's good." Uh, 
she goes, uh, can I buy a drink? And I was like, all right. But I, I go, I get free drinks. Mm -hmm. and I go, why don't I buy you a drink? And she's like, yeah, let's do that. Mm -hmm. So we had a drink and we talked for maybe like five or ten minutes. And she goes, uh, you know, why don't we get a six-pack off sale and, and head up to your room? And I was like, all right. <laughs> so <laughs> grabbed a six-pack and headed up to my room and... We were, it was like a, a room that had two double beds, so she was sitting on one, I was on the other, and we were right. having beer, just chatting about whatever, and and she she goes, she goes, listen, I, I gotta be honest, okay, I uh, I know you're the comedian from, and I go, oh, well, I, I assumed you did, and she goes, well, no, I didn't see the show, she goes, uh, I'm pretty drunk, and I saw your picture out front, and saw you sitting at the bar, so... I was just kind of hoping that you'd allow me to sleep in your room tonight because I can't drive home. And I was like, and she goes, and I'm a born-again virgin, so nothing else is going to happen. And in my head, I was like, wanting to say, just get the fuck out of here. Like, sure. what are you talking about? But, you know, at that point, I was like 24 or sure. something. Sure. And in my deluded brain, I felt as though... The more time she spent in my room, like at some point, I was She's gonna, I was gonna close this deal. Sure, <laughs> you know. Sure. So uh, it never. Ha I made some advances, and and she always like batted them away, and and uh, I just at some point I was just like I don't even give a shit anymore. Like sure. she fell asleep in the one bed, and I fell asleep in the other one, and she woke me up in the morning. And uh, she was like, thank you so much, and just left. And I was like, this is the weirdest night ever. You should have just left, all right? You don't have to wake me up with this shit. But, yeah. It's weird to me that she would do... It almost sounds as though she'd done that before. Yeah. Right? I, it kind of had that feel like she... Uh, that she had maneuvered some people at the bar to allow her to sleep in their room or something. I don't know. It's just that's, very odd. That is unsafe. Is what that is. <laughs> you really think? Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, how many dudes are out there? Like, ah, nope. You yeah. Pay the toll. Like, <laughs> yeah. Pay the toll. I mean, I'm not a horrible guy by any means, but I mean, even a kind of horrible guy in that scenario would have just like. <laughs> what do you think about that story, man? I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of female comics sure. that are appalled over the fact that he got yeah. no acquitted. Yeah, I not the fact even that he like that he got acquitted, but the fact that he got zero punishment for for what happened. Um. Well, I I think it'll be well. It's probably hits closer to home because it happened at home for you. Yeah. You know? And for me, reading it, it was just kind of like, uh, oh, this guy's kind of fucked. I yeah. Mean, even if like there were no charges or anything, I can't. What club is going to want to book this dude? Right? Yeah. Yeah. I, for sure. Because I'm also like, who? Yeah. I don't know who Adam Richmond is. Like him getting charged with uh, a sexual assault is the yeah. only reason I've ever heard of this guy. I have a I have a soft spot for him because I don't know if we ever talked about this, and I actually haven't ever talked about it on the podcast. But okay. uh, back in 2004, huh? I had. A similar a similar scenario okay. where uh, I met a woman after a show and went to her house for a party I mean thankfully there was a ton of other people there and people that in the end told the truth about what happened but sure. um, 
we slept in the same bed, but we didn't have sex. Like, we fooled around, but we didn't have sex. And then in the morning, it turned out, like, she confided in me that she was married. And mm-hmm. her husband was in the military, and, and he had been overseas for two years, and she was having a really tough time, and she was lonely, and had a moment of weakness, and blah, blah, blah. And, and I said, it's okay, I apologize, uh, you know, if I had known you were married, like, you know, this, that, and the other thing. So. Sure. It felt like we parted on good ways. Yeah. So apparently, six hours after I left the town, her husband came back from Iraq. <laughs> yeah. Surprise! So he came home, and I guess she was still kind of wrestling with what she had done the night before. Sure. And uh, instead of taking responsibility for what she had done she instead said that she had a house party and was assaulted Mm. and she knew who i was like she was at the show Mm. i actually gave her my business card and i said you know if you ever want to talk about anything i think you're a cool person blah 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 just give me a message or whatever sure and uh so they went to the police station and filed a sexual assault claim and the way it was presented at the police station was that she said that she invited the comedians from the show back to her house and then one of them and she gave a description of me as if she didn't know who I was and her initial report was that she was too drunk to remember anything that happened so when I got home I got a phone call from Ken Muller who I was working for and he said uh you know, do you know why the such and such police are looking for you? And I said, no. And then he goes, they just called me and asked me a bunch of questions about you. And I go, oh, okay. And then he, he gave me the detective's number and name and stuff. So I called and they were like, we're not at liberty to talk about what's going on, but you are like a person of interest in a case up here. So in my head, I was thinking that maybe somebody from the party like got drunk and like, had an accident or died or something and they wanted to ask questions about it because I didn't even have an inkling of a thought in my head that this was going on so then the next day I was in the shower and I had a message on my phone that said that I had been accused of sexual assault and they wanted me to come back to the city and sit down with them and be interviewed and like I lost my mind man yeah so I called our, our family attorney and he turned me on to a criminal lawyer up there and he, uh, I had to like send him five grand for a retainer. And he basically told me in the first conversation, he goes, I'm not gonna sugarcoat this. He's like, everybody gets arrested. He goes, I haven't seen one situation where nobody gets arrested. So like, you will be arrested. It's probably like so, domestic violence charge, right? Huh? Everyone, everyone gets arrested on yeah. domestic violence. Well, no, he's like, at some point you will be processed because they wanna like put you in the room and, and and he goes, all you do is just, you know, he goes, I'll, I'll talk to them because I'm close with them and I'll let them know that if the warrant goes out over the wire, like that you'll turn yourself in so you don't have to be extradited because the, I don't really want to save the city, but it sure. was like a while from Minneapolis. So he's like, just be ready though, because if it goes out on the wire and I haven't seen it, um, if you get pulled over for anything, you could be just locked up and sent back here to and I was like oh my god so for like I don't know it was like a month and a half 
I thought every day like they were gonna come and shoot me back, you know. But uh, in the end, everybody told the truth. All the people at the party like said, you know, he actually tried. I tried to leave a couple times because it was getting really late, and she kept pulling me back into the party. And they were like, and thank God her best friend told the truth. I mean, that's mm. what broke the whole case open because apparently. I didn't realize, but before we went into her bedroom, she had, like, a very long, coherent conversation with her friend outside the room about how, what she was about to do, and don't judge her for it, and, you know, and, and blah, 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 and she told the police about that, and they were like, well, I mean, we can't trust anything she's saying, because she said that she doesn't remember any of it, and, you know, they told them how she went to the show and, and we hung out at a bunch of bars and then ended up at her house and sure. like all of the stuff she's saying is not adding up so they they dismissed the charges and everything but so I mean I, I feel you know uh, a, you know a small part of understanding with Adam Richmond but sure. it's like I mean there's documentation of him like trying to attack her so it's right. like the it's fact different. that it's clear yeah different. I mean the fact that he didn't get anything is is kind of disturbing but I mean at that point like what could they have given him you know right well you've, you've told me the story before and oh, so okay. I uh, I mean so I, I clearly took heed of your story because there are certain rules that I follow and there's certain rules that I tell like new guys like yeah. clearly number one is don't fuck the weights that yeah I tell them that Two, I don't. I would never go to someone's house that I don't know. Yeah. Be, be, because of the story that you told me of like I, no, I don't know these people, and like yeah. you don't know what's gonna happen. And I'm always like, and I try to tell guys like you're the star of the show, like in the club or the bar or whatever. But when you leave that place, you're just fucking Joe Average again. <laughs> yeah. Why would you? You're want a to do stranger that? in a small town. Yeah. No one knows that who the show. fuck you yeah. are, right? As they say, you lose your cape. Yes. Once yeah. you walk out of the room. You're Clark Kent again. Yeah. And who wants to be Clark Kent, right? <laughs> no. And then um I never would get in a car with someone else. I yeah. always want to make sure that I'm the one driving. Yeah. I, I have a way to get the hell out. That's a big time. Because then I can be like, Oh, we're out in the middle of fucking nowhere and I don't know where the hell yeah. I am and I don't have a car. Great. Oh yeah. So but it's simple things like I think the younger guys are very gullible, kind of like yeah. fuck yeah party or whatever. And I'm like, oh god. And again, it's because I'm older. I'm yeah. older. I'm like, ah, it's not fucking appealing to me. But it's anymore. just yeah, you know, you have. To, Tim Joyce told me one time. He's like, you know, you just gotta, you have to protect yourself when you're out on the road because you are by yourself. Sure. You are a stranger in a strange place. You don't know what people's motives are. Yeah. I've heard about enough guys getting rolled over fucking like t shirt money. Yeah. Like guys going, Oh, you know, I see this guy, he just made a couple hundred bucks in t shirt. Let's get him in the parking lot, you know, and just take his fucking what? money. Really? Oh yeah. I've heard Holy a bunch of stories about that. Guys like doing one nighters, you're in some fucking weird small town, you sold twenty shirts at twenty bucks a pop or whatever. People are like, Oh, that guy's got cash on him. And you're like, oh, What? Holy shit, man. Yeah. That's so scary. Because I very have scary. never Experienced that, and I never even—it never even crossed my mind. Well, you, Mark, again, I know <laughs> you say you're a big soft or whatever, but what? You're six, 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 seven. You what? Weigh probably close to three hundred pounds or something. You're not fifty. You're not a fucking. You're not a target. Yeah. You're not a target. And I mean, even I would say. I mean, I'm yeah. six five. I'm like two hundred. I'm not necessarily a target yeah. either. But, but like Nate know. Abshire. Yeah. Or, uh, 
or whoever. Like you get women. I feel bad for women on oh, the road. Yeah. This is not a this is not a career for smaller people. It's not a career for yeah. women. It's it's very stressful it su- and hard. Yeah, I. It surprises me, and it doesn't when I hear some of the stories of the female comics that are on the road and the things that they have to deal with. Sure. Like I worked one of the female comedians. I think she was from. I don't know, Milwaukee or something. She posted something on Facebook about like how appalled she was that Adam Richmond got off for what he did. Mm-hmm. And then she listed like all the stuff that had just happened to her in the last week and a half, you know. Wow. Or like she gave some comic from the open mic a ride home and he was like begging her to let him go down on her and she's like, What are you talking like what? And like guys that were like trying to grab her boobs after the show and all this stuff and it's just like, Yeah, I, you know, I, I, you know, we don't know. Sure, you know, sure. We're not there. We haven't been there. I, I got a funny story that's kind of the reverse of it. I, uh, Somebody uh, tried to grab your ball. No, 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 <laughs> nothing like that. But it was like, I, I, it was when I was emceeing at the club at Grins, and um, the feature she didn't have a car from to, to get from the hotel back yeah. to the, the club. So I'm driving her back to the hotel, and this is when I used to go hang out at this bar after the show afterwards. Yeah. And just. You know, I'm done with the club. I go to the bar, have a couple drinks, go home. And I said to her, yeah, go hang out at this bar. Uh, If you want to go, great. If you don't want to go, I'll drop you off at the hotel. Either way, I don't care. But if you want to go, sweet, let's go do it. And so I'm driving her, and she's just kind of hemming and hawing. And she's like, okay, I guess I'll go. But I just want you to know, I'm engaged. And she shoves this ring in my face. (laughs) And I'm like, "Um, I was just asking if you wanted to go to the bar. I was going to go anyway. But it was like she had to make this big deal about like she was with someone else, like I was making an advance on her or some shit. And it was more just like I'm, I was trying to connect with her on the level of a comedian, yeah. not on a level of like I'm a dude, you're a chick, you want to yeah. fuck. Yeah. And But that's probably how she has to protect herself. And God knows, yeah. she probably wasn't even engaged. It was yeah. like a fake ring or some shit. <laughs> she just kind of... Slides it on as right, she gets into exactly. your car, like, oh shit. If I gotta punch this guy, this will hurt. That's what I want. It was so funny to me. I'm like, so it almost makes it, it probably makes it hard for her just to engage with people on that level. Like, you wanna yeah. talk and hang? Because, I mean, she was a nice chick or whatever, but I was like, I don't wanna fuck, I don't wanna deal with this nonsense. Right? Have you ever heard the phrase, God, I wonder if you actually told me this phrase? Oh, God. Girls. After shows that sleep with the comics, that they're called chuckle fuckers. Yeah, <laughs> chuckle fuckers. You gotta love chuckle fuckers. I haven't met one yet. Where are you, ladies? Where are you, chuckle Stop fuckers? Stop hiding. This is the worst game of Where's Waldo ever. Damn it! That thing just kills her every time I hear. Chuckle fuckers. Yeah, it's great. Oh, it's great, right, man. And people talk about it because they're always like, "Oh, you must get laid all the time." And I'm like, no. <laughs> and whatever and this or that and so yeah. it doesn't make me look necessarily good in front of ladies but my object is to make people laugh not to make them go oh I want to fuck that yeah, yeah. you know so whatever it was, it was a tough I'm not going to lie it really was a tough transition for me going from uh, being single on the road to you know having a girlfriend to being engaged to being married like sure. you know uh, it's a tough transition you know and uh, like professionally and just personally and like how you conduct yourself on the road and stuff you know I made some 
horrible, horrible decisions out there in the beginning, and yeah, and I've definitely paid for it, and and I'm trying to change my my life for the better, and just you know, but it is like it's kind of a drug sometimes when you're out on the road, and you know, all these people are chatting with you after the show and stuff like that. It's really you just kind of. But what I've realized now, you know, being happily married and directing my life in a different direction is uh, 98% of that stuff, if you don't encourage it, it doesn't really go any further than, like, a short chat after the show. Sure. You know? Because I think, at least for women they're just not as brazen as we are about things. Sure. You know, if they make some kind of comment after the show and you encourage it, then they know, like... What size things, do you want? Yeah, things are... <laughs> <laughs> things, things are going, but if you're just like... Because I've had, you know, I've had it in the last, like, you know, eight or ten months where, where women will say things after the show and I know exactly what they're saying. Right. And uh, I just change the subject or leave or whatever and and i can tell that they're very disappointed but it's just like you know married man so it's like what so are you doing? do you find yourself because you're the married guy do you find yourself kind of maybe splitting sooner after shows are done yes Look up, got my cash Blade, oh, thanks yeah. everybody have a good night i do i do not you don't linger. Uh, hang out hang out after shows anymore mm-hmm. i mean that's that's a part of my life that's done now because yeah. You don't want to party. That that only will lead to bad things. Right, right. The only purpose for staying after a show later than I need to is to get drunk or meet women, and that's mm-hmm. just not a part of my life anymore. Right. So right. it has been a transition, but I have found that when you when you take away all the other accoutrements of this business, mm-hmm. that it really does focus you in on the performance part of it. And I have just been, you know, writing like a madman and just like trying to do this podcast and and force my career in a positive way because I think for so many years, like, I didn't even think about like the direction of my career or the quality of my material. Now you have a reason to because you're married and you got a kid. Yeah. So there's the reason of like, I gotta get my shit together. Yeah. So it's it's amazing once you have positive thinking and, and a direction in life that uh, or a direction in your career how that because I had a, a really good friend I, I don't know if uh, if you've met her she works at the Rochester Club a lot uh, Sue Sue Flemke I don't mm-hmm. know if you know no. amazing lady mm-hmm. she uh, we did a road trip together and the whole trip like I don't even remember it but I was like spouting a bunch of stuff like. I wish I was getting this, I wish I was getting that, I can't believe this guy's getting that, I can't, you know, just a lot of, like, envy and a lot of bad vibes. So she had been trying to get in contact with me for, like, two weeks, and, you know, just haven't been able to connect, and then we did this one-nighter together, and she's like, God, I just, I wanted to talk to you for so long, because I just want to tell you something, like, she had been working with some spiritualist or something like that, Mm -hmm. and she's like, she's like, you just have to you have to stop what you're doing. Like, you have to stop being sad and envious of other people and start being grateful for where you are. Mm-hmm. And and she goes, you need to 
come up with goals for your career. Mm -hmm. She's like, what? She's like, what's your goal as a comedian? She goes, I, I believe you said in the car that the only dream you ever had was to be a professional comedian. She goes, you accomplished that in two and a half years, and that was 14 years ago. Mm -hmm. She's like, I think it's time for new goals. And she's like, have you even thought about what, what your next goals would be in comedy? And I was like, no, I haven't even said them out loud or, or written them down or whatever. I sat down one day and I wrote them down. Three out of the five happened within a week and a half. You know, Got a manager. Uh, Going to be doing a college showcase in the fall and like uh, Paca or something. The other, the other, Paca? A, a Paca. Paca. The second secondary Al Alpaca. One. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be doing comedy for giant fuzzy animals. <laughs> but it's just like you know, furry conventions. <laughs> yeah. But it is just it's funny to me like when you take away all the noise yeah. and you focus because I I feel like there's a lot of guys in our business that are so talented. But, but haven't progressed yeah. past a certain level. And yeah. it's it's the same thing of what that girl told you. It's the same thing of, like, why haven't they? And and I can name a whole list of reasons why they haven't. <laughs> yeah. And it's because comedy is fucked up in that you get into it because you're going, I just want to tell dick jokes yeah. or whatever. And then you don't realize there's, like, 90% of this business is business. Yeah. It isn't comedy. It's business. So you get, fuck, oh, like, how do I deal with it? Yeah. So you get distracted, yeah. right? It's just like... I. I I think a lot of them are just not business savvy. Yep. You know, they just. They and don't that's realize. why they. That's why they step into comedy. I think. Yeah. So they can avoid the business and not realizing again. Every, everything is still business. Yeah. You want to be a florist. I want to make flowers. Whatever. It's still the fucking business. Yeah. Right. So. And that's what I thought. Like when I was talking to Ken Reed at the joke joint, we were uh -huh. talking about. There were so many like comedy classes out there to learn how to be a comedian and tell jokes, but there wasn't like none of the business any about. So I tried for like two years to do a comedy class called uh, The Business of Being Funny and it was all about the business side of comedy and how to merchandise and market and, and network and mm -hmm. all that stuff. I did the class like five times mm -hmm. and every time I did it there was like one person there and it was like a referral from another person. People are stupid. Yeah. Comedians I think are dumb. Yeah. They're dumb. They don't <laughs> see it. I, I took, uh, do you know Derek Richards at all? Yeah. He did one a long time ago in Grand Rapids, and it was like a two-day thing. He did when he headlined Grins, he did like an hour on Saturday and an hour on Sunday, and it was a really good class because none of it was like, all right, this is how you write a yeah. joke. It was all like, this is back when you sent videotapes yeah. on YouTube or whatever. But it was like how to have a good clip, yeah. how to send stuff, have your press kit, headshots, and the yeah. one thing that I learned from him that I still spout today. Don't fuck the wait staff. And that, was, <laughs> that, and that was how he put it. He number was like, listen, one. number one, don't fuck the wait. And he told you why you don't fuck the wait staff. Because yeah. everyone's like, I want to fuck the wait staff. Yeah. This is why you don't. And it made complete sense. So, But yeah, yeah the business it's the whole, great. It's the whole idea of like, let's say on Thursday, you, you sleep with the wait staff. Ugh. Now you're in a relationship. Yeah. Like you can't, you can't go and like, mess with any other girls that week like you are in a relationship with that waitress for the next like four days and yeah. if you start talking to any other girls then the jealousy starts and then 
the yapping to the people that wow. booked the club, and now you're never going back there again. And he talked about how maybe the next time the waitress is now the manager of the club, and she's like, fuck you. Yeah. Or it could be the manager wanted to fuck that waitress, and now he's like, fuck you. <laughs> uh, you know, it's all these or the, or, the, or the waitresses, she's like, he fucked me over, and then she spreads all this shit around. <laughs> fuck you. Know you know what's funny? Is There's like, nothing good that comes out of it. I had... In my career, not had a, one waitress have any interest in even talking to me yeah, at all. Yeah, so yeah. it's like, it's funny, but I, it happens, I'm sure, more often than not, because I'm sure some of them are chuckle fuckers. Chuckle fuckers. <laughs> I've heard stories, and it's always been funny. Like, oh, God, are you fucked that guy? That's the yeah. one you fucked? All right. Um, chuckle fuckers. I had, concerning, well, uh, uh, concerning your career goals and everything, because yeah. you said before we started this podcast, you've done a podcast about Last Comic Standing, yeah. and I know that your, I, I would assume your viewpoint on Last Comic Standing is not positive in most ways, probably. Well, I'll, I will say this, like, when I did the podcast, uh, like, at the beginning, yes, I had a lot of hate towards Last Comic Standing, sure. mostly, I think, because I wasn't on the show. Sure. And, you know, I wanted it to not exist so it could not be one more thing that I wasn't doing, sure. you know. But I look at it a lot differently now after changing mentality. Like, I know it's fake, and I know that the top ten is cast every year from from agencies out of L.A. and New York. Mm-hmm. Um, but that beginning part of the show is, is really important for guys that have never been on television before. Sure. They get I mean, a clip, they get yeah. credit, whatever, there you for go. Sure. And so. you knew a lot of guys this year who were on. Oh, yeah, sure. man. Because I look at it as like, again, yeah, like that's, it's not the greatest thing ever, but I think it's good in that uh, it's, it's a vehicle. S- stand-up is now in the limelight a little bit. It's yeah. on a primetime show. People are aware of it, whether it's good or not, because I'm yeah. watching it going, are you fucking shitting me? <laughs> I mean, come on. But, um... But there you go. And then, yeah, yeah, like you said, a lot of guys are on it. So it's almost one of those things of, like, it would be great to be on a show like that. Because yeah. how many other shows legitimately allow for Stan to get up there and tell yeah. a couple jokes? Not many. It just it just bothers me that, that it, like, I don't know how much of it is completely written. But, like, mm-hmm. I did a, I don't know if I told you this, but I did a show with a guy in Arizona when, like, see whatever season John Reap won. Okay. And yeah, we were, like, four. hanging out. And he had the same management as John Reeb and he said something like uh, yeah it's coming out soon and I, I couldn't be happier for John Reeb that he's going to win it and something like that and like the show hadn't even come out yet and ha. I was like how do you know he's going to win it and he's like oh come on he's like this has been decided a long time ago like sure. he's the guy that's poised to break he's the guy that's going to be the best uh, mouthpiece for the show the best ambassador for Last Comic Standing and He's like, He's it's been decided. Sure. And I was like, God, that's so annoying, you know. And then sure. I think that was also the year where they were still doing the wait in line shit for the yeah, show. Yeah, the cattle hall. And, yeah, and then they were getting all the video of the idiots standing in line. And then not one of them got to go in and audition. Yes. Like, it was all invite only. And then yes. they were like, all right, we've seen everybody. We Like, hundreds of people in the yeah. cold weather. And I was just like, yeah. why would I ever support this show? And it's like... Mm-hmm. But it's also the realization, too, of, like, uh, as a comic, you should know better. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you were established, and I was established, mm-hmm. and people were like, oh, you should go do it. I'm like, no, I know what's happening yeah. here. And the people who are in line, those are the guys who've been doing comedy, like, six months. They'd be, yeah. like, the guy who emceed our show yeah. last night going, I'm fucking going. 
doing this four months, I'm ready, baby. And it, like, it you is, don't want to see those guys yeah. on TV. And it is kind of like uh, a knock on intelligence to make it seem like comedians are the same as singers. Right. Like right. you could find a prolific stand-up comic who's just a waiter at Applebee's yeah. and just like, I've always wanted to tell jokes, I'm a funny guy, and just out of nowhere he's got an hour of right. pristine, his, his perfect, timing, mat- yeah. perfect callbacks, <laughs> yeah. tags, get the fuck out it's of It's like here. you can find a lady that's like a car hop at Sonic that sure. just out of nowhere is like an amazing singer. singing since she was six yeah. or something. So you, it's like... Who's telling jokes at an early yeah. age? <laughs> Well-written, like, front lines. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't so work. it's just idiotic for... America to believe that just some guy yeah. off the street and, is going to be in the top ten. And that's always been the thing that I hate about Last Comic Standing. Is yeah. that in the general public belief, there's like, yeah, just someone can go, go and do it. Yeah. No, no. And that, I think, that hurts us in a way. Right. Because, uh, and I've always said too to other people that I think like the birth of reality television has caused problems in comedy shows because everybody wants to be famous. And when they come to a comedy show and they're watching a guy on stage with a microphone and a light, you know, it's no longer like this majesty illusion of like, oh, this guy, he's up there, you know. Now it's like, why is he up there? Like, I should be up there, you know, and I'm going to start saying shit and then everybody will look at me instead of him, you know. Well, that's, I'm not a huge I'm not negative about comedy classes like we talked about the business, and I'm yeah. not even negative about today. You want to learn how to tell a joke? Let's do this. Like I'm, I'm cool with people taking yeah. those classes. The problem is that those classes pump out delusional fucks. Yeah, right. Like there are so many of these middle-aged dudes who are like they're retired from the factory, and now their wife wants them out of the house, so they've taken what's, some fucking class. What's the name of that guy? I mean, we shouldn't say names, but. Uh, I think he's a Grand Rapids guy. Oh, he's God. bald, older, mustache. He's uh, like a retired police officer or something like that. Big dude. I thought his name was Steve. No, that might not be right. Mm. But he's from Grand Rapids. Okay. He said he knew you. Okay. We did uh, some one night. Anyways. Okay. He showed up and we were like sitting. Be- and he had taken like one of those classes and he'd been doing it for like three months. And he's like. You this, that, and the other thing, and whatever. And he goes, but, uh, he goes, they told me to, you know, when you're a new guy, you write clean. And he's like, I just can't. Like, I, I'm just a filthy guy. And he was, like, in his 40s, and he went up there, and it was, like, a newer room, and the guy was asking me about my set and whatever, and I was talking to him, and he was on stage while we were talking, and all I caught out of the corner of my ear was, like, so the juice is pouring out of her pussy, right? Oh, and I go, what? And oh. his, he's looking at me, and his head shot to the left so fast, I thought he killed himself. He's like, bah! And he goes, so it's all juicing down my legs, right? And these people are like, oh, God! They're like <laughs> eating right. prime rib. Right, right, right. And, right. He go, and the other guy comes rushing over, the other partner of the, the place, and he looks right at me, and he goes, how much do you have? Do you have enough to cover this whole thing? Yeah. Because we're about to pull this guy, and he's only been up there for four minutes. He was a guest spotter? No, he was the feature act. It was, uh, 
God, I can't remember. We'll, the, we'll, we'll you talk know, off. Yeah, the podcast. it was a guy. It was that guy who had uh, like a couple one nighters north of Grand Rapids for a little bit. Oh, okay. And then uh, so he was using a lot of guys that weren't working for Yoder. Yeah. And uh, and I picked it up because uh, um, I actually asked them because one of the rooms was their old room, and I said, "Do you oh. care if I go do it?" And they were like, "I don't care." And sure. they're like, "Oh, sure. all right." So, uh, so this guy goes, we're, we're about to light him and get him off of there. And I go, I go, I'm going to tell you something. I go, I've talked to this guy before the show and he's the type of guy that he's not going to understand why he's getting a light at 10 minutes into his set. Like you can light him, you can do everything you want, but he's going to do his 30 minutes. I go, so you guys should just relax and settle in because he will not get out unless someone actually goes on stage and says like oh let's keep it going for this guy everybody and like you've seen that before have you seen that before i've I've seen that yeah yeah yeah. god it's the most awkward awkward thing in the world man it's happened to me (laughs) no it has not (laughs) thankfully it hasn't happened there were times i wish it happened to me this crowd is not good so uh, he did the whole thirty, man, and it was, it was absolutely brutal, brutal. It was brutal. to watch. Sure. And uh, I went up and and had a fun time, but after the show, he was because uh, it was uh, what happened was Garrett was supposed was supposed to do the whole week with me, uh-huh. like I got him on. Yeah. But he had tickets to go see somebody on Saturday okay. with his girlfriend, like some comedian. Okay. So they brought this guy in to fill in. And so he wasn't with me on Thursday and Friday. He was just doing the Saturday show. And after the show, it's like, it's so hard for me. Because I'm not a dick, and I don't want to be a dick. But it's like, it's really hard to talk to somebody after a show that you know they did horribly. And they should not be a comedian. Did this guy think he killed or something? Yes. Yes. There's a lot of delusional people. And there's... um, What did you say last night in the car? You just wanted to tell that guy, you have to stop. You have to stop. I said that would be the worst thing ever if a guy gets off stage. These professionally touring comedians come in and he calls them over like for a private conversation. He thinks that you're going to just be like, God, man, you ready? You're coming with me. You ready? And instead you go, you have to stop. Like, you but yeah. it's guys who aren't getting, like you said, this guy, he clearly didn't understand of like, this is what I'm supposed to do. And guys want to do yeah. what they want to do, and which is great. But I'm like, this is the reality. Yeah. It's still a business. It's still commerce. You can say whatever you want, but then the business yeah. can say, go fuck yourself. I don't want you back here. And I'm not going to lie. I can't. I did comedy class when I started, I, sure. and I came out of it completely delusional, too. I uh, I did a guest spot on the, the teacher's teacher was working at the club that week. And he thought I was so good that he gave me a spot on the show, on the Late Show Friday, so he could promote his comedy class. And uh, and after I got off stage, I was talking to all the other acts, like, how does this work? Like, I want to be a professional comedian. Sure. He's just like, because I didn't understand how it worked, obviously, because I'm a new guy and an idiot. So mm-hmm. I was like, so you just drive around and like, go to places and be like I'm on tour are we doing a show here tonight you know yeah <laughs> and uh, they were like no 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 like 
It doesn't. None of it makes sense. No. Comedy doesn't make sense. It doesn't. It really doesn't. Sense. It doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. You sit and you write words, and then you go to a place and you say them, and then people give you money. What? That's stand-up comedy. It's welcome stand-up. And the process makes sure they're laughing, because otherwise yeah. it's not stand-up comedy. Well, Bill Bauer always told me, he said, there's three types of comedians in this world. There are comedians that are born to be funny, comedians that can learn to be funny, and comedians that will never be funny. And I think we both know comedians that fall into all three of those slots. you know, Because yeah. those guys that were going up last night, they're funny, you know. They're open micers. They've got some bits, you know. They're working on their voice and all that stuff. But I don't know what it is, but I've gotten to a point in my stand-up where, like, there was a guy in Vancouver, Canada. Mm -hmm. I had been doing comedy for four years. And he was drunk. And he came up to me after the show and he goes, Mark, come upstairs, uh, hang out with me while I smoke outside, and I'm going to give you the secret to comedy. Oh, boy. And I go, this, this is going to be a good gem. So I go up there, and uh, he goes, I'm going to tell you something right now. And I've probably told you the story before. I, don't know. I feel like I tell every comedian that I work with because he told me to pass it on, and I try to like keep that word as much as I can because okay. what he told me actually changed my life as a comic later on because he said, you're not going to get this when I say it, but when you get it, you'll get it, okay. and it's going to change what you do on stage. And I, I feel like you're here already, so it's, okay. it may not help you at all. But he said, the secret to comedy is show it, don't tell it. And he's like, you're not going to get it. And when I got it, I was like, holy shit, like, that is the secret to comedy. Because it's like the ability to not report from stage. You're not reporting things that happened you are creating an experience you're living inside your material every night on stage like every joke is like you're not just saying words you're you're trying to make a connection with the audience with your life and your material and yeah, yeah. and it's like that is the secret to comedy and it's like I don't know. For me, like whenever I watch somebody start talking on stage, I know if they have it or they don't have it yet. And you know, it's like every single person that goes up at an open mic, you're like, I. It's hard for me to watch them now because I'm like, sure. I know they don't have it, but it's yeah. like they got some good stuff or whatever. And and even that contest we did in Dubuque, like I'd mm -hmm. say, the 76 comics that were there, there were maybe like weren't. 15 that had it. You they know? they they weren't supposed to be there. <laughs> yeah. Those guys. So yeah. it, it was unfortunate because it was. Uh, I mean, I I enjoyed it at the same time. Like yeah. I, I felt like I was held hostage there for a bit. So well, I told it. I've told a ton of guys from Minneapolis, and I'm like, I just do not understand why you guys weren't there. Like mm. I kind of scoffed it off for a couple of years because I was like, what? And then when I read all the judges that were going to sure. be there, I was like, fuck yeah, I'm doing this. Like right. what? Right. I can do a spot in front of Colleen Quinn and Dave Stroop and uh, you know Tony uh, Camacho and just all these huge like it's amazing that they were all there and it was you know obviously a turning point in my career at this point but uh, like I just I don't understand why they wouldn't go down there and do it and the fact that there was a guy who uh, 
entered the contest seconds before he went on stage would tell you like how little entries they had for that and it's like man if you're a new comic out there and you want to be seen by the people that make the decisions do the comedy 10k in dubuque it's next may enter it's 50 bucks like but it's definitely a well worth 50 dollars oh god i wish i could get my money back from the laughing skull that was a big waste of fucking money like yeah, it's, I didn't an really care for the judges that they had for because they were all judges who might have been higher up and stuff, but they weren't going to do anything for you yeah. in capacity. I mean, it was interesting to meet all these guys. It was the first comedy festival I'd ever done, so mm-hmm. it was interesting meeting all these people from around the country, but I really did feel like I wasted a ton of money and nothing really came out of it. You know, yeah. Obviously, I wasn't one of the big, the big gets at that festival, but you know, this one at least, it felt like even from day one that like just doing your preliminary set got you some eyes on you you know yeah. so yeah for sure for sure who knows are we done i don't know are we done this is your podcast not holy mine holy shit we've been, been talking for an hour oh god yeah we're <laughs> this is the longest podcast i've ever recorded no one is listening anymore. you know maybe i maybe i should have more guests on this was easy breezy did you have fun, Stu? I did. I just, I mean, I like talking the business end of comedy. I don't know how much it interests other people, but yeah. it's, just, it's just such a weird thing. And uh, I wrote a, uh, a blog today on the Jim Carrey thing. Yeah. Do you see his commencement speech? Yeah, it was great. Was like following man. your dreams. Oh, I agree God. that it was great, but I'm also like, fuck Jim Carrey. <laughs> Why? Because. <laughs> Because he's a rubber face, like well, a, a magic impressionist. I, I, uh, no, I just find it irresponsible for him to say what he said. Of the whole follow your dreams. Yeah. Because he's a guy who made it. He made yeah. it. He's making millions of dollars a year. And he's like, yeah, follow your fucking dreams. But I'm like, how many yeah. dudes out there not never going to get close yeah. to Yeah. And I look at it from the perspective of a comedian of like, how many guys out there are never, ever going to get close? Are never going to do what I do? Yeah. Right? And it's just... I I talked about how I like I network like I should I submit to things like I should I write a lot I sleep in my fucking car I travel I do everything I'm supposed to do and there's no guarantee that mm-hmm. I'm going to be Jim Carrey no. so I, I really f- I found it was easy for him to say that and it was irresponsible for him to say that <laughs> yeah. so but it, but it was like inspiring. it's not I like it though yeah. I didn't even see that perspective on it yeah and uh, you know especially wasn't it at like a college or the something like Maharishi that Maharishi College of Management yeah so all of these people have spent you know tons of money and tons of time to sure. get their degree yeah and basically you're just telling them that it was a waste of time like yeah. Go be a comedian or a singer or a dancer sure. or a, a yeah. puppet master. And again, I look at it too. Again, I started comedy when I was 35, so I was older. Yeah. I had already had a master's degree in social work. I've got currently, I have over 20 years plus of experience in that field. Yeah. And now I'm like, essentially, I'm trying to throw all that away to, to lead this weird life of a comic when I had a fairly regular, steady income. Everything was good. Yeah. I wasn't happy with it, but life. Now I have different worries of like how am I going to pay yeah. my mortgage and keep my car up yeah. and everything else and it's just it's just weird. I would I would amend his speech that my dad gave me, where okay. he said, "Get a college degree. Uh-huh. After that, 
you can do whatever the hell sure. you want to do with your life. You have a little bit of a safety Because now. you've got that thing there that no one can take away, sure. and it'll be there to help you through your whole life. Yeah. And he goes, and you'll feel more relaxed about the decisions that you make because you've always got the safety net back sure. there. And I took it to heart. I went and got a four-year degree from the University of Minnesota, and mm -hmm. I actually tried a normal career for a while, but, you what know, and what's funny, like, I never thought of becoming a comedian until... Uh, I was like 24, and I uh, I knew I always wanted to be somehow involved with movies, whether it was writing them or making them or something. So I tried to learn how to make movies at a TV station, and that just was not I a good I idea. I saw a clip of you doing a zombie movie or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember that. I remember that. So, I mean, it just, I, I fell into it, but it was yeah. the place that I was supposed to be, yeah. you know. So you fit very like, well into it, man. Yeah. Well, thanks, Stu. Mm -hmm. You too, man. I love watching your stuff up there. You're just so crazy, man. <laughs> but you've got a good, you know, you, you have a really good voice. And, and a, you know, you're a great writer. And it's just like, yeah. It's fine. It's a business. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand it sometimes. You know, like sometimes I feel like I should be further ahead. And then sometimes I feel like I'm too far ahead in some scenarios. You're doing, what, like, you're doing what you're supposed to do, though, Mark. You, that woman, Sue was her name. Yeah. She's telling you to write your goals down. That's what you are doing. And that's what I've done for myself this year. I've, yeah. I wrote down 10 things I'd like to accomplish this year. I've accomplished some, some I know I'm not yeah. going to accomplish. But uh, it's a good thing because then you're like, you are what you want to be, yeah. but now what I'm going to do in what I want to be. So it's good for you. You're going to yeah. start, you'll progress, man. Yeah. Things are going to get better for you. I remember seeing a video from Steve Hofstedler who had like kind of the same ideas. Is he just basically said like, you know, you may have your goals, but what are you doing to accomplish those goals? Mm -hmm. Like if one goal is to work colleges, mm -hmm. are you submitting to colleges? Are you auditioning for colleges? Right. Are you networking with colleges? Or are you just sitting there hoping a college but will come and get me? me? Yeah, right. and I think that's everything. It's like. I think that's kind of like the world that we live in now is like certain people, the kids, you know, they they feel like something's going to drop in their lap, you know, and level of yeah. entitlement. And they see people like, you know, like, oh, overnight success. And then they forget like the yeah. years. Jimmy Schubert, overnight yeah. success. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, didn't, he, didn't he travel with the Outlaws and yeah, Sam Kinison? <laughs> Exactly. Overnight. I hope. Years. I swear. I hope so bad that he's the guy. I hope he's that the guy they chose. Oh, he got he voted out. He was booted last night, Thursday. Night. What? Yep. Because it was it was a joke off. There were three of them. It was Rodman that Aida Rodriguez chicken Schubert and Rodman won, so the other two got booted off. He can be voted back on, but it's not looking good for him right now. Oh my god! I know. I'm, I'm with you, man. Sh Schubert should have been at least like top two or three for sure. Is Lachlan Patterson he's in the top in. ten? Yeah. Yeah, he's top ten. He, Rocky Laporte, and Schubert were like the three that I knew. Yeah. And the other oh seven were like people man. I don't. I don't really know who they are. Now I really don't want to watch that show. I hear you, but you gotta, you yeah. gotta watch it. It's it's interesting to me. It's yeah. Interesting. And just the whole like they had them do sketches, so it's taking them out of their comfort zone. Yeah. And then I don't know what they gotta do next. So they probably gonna juggle I, and I enjoy have it. a I hot dog it. eating contest because that's all comedy. It's, it's all comedy, baby. All right, who's the juggler? <laughs> Grab yourselves a fucking chainsaw. Let's get it. <laughs>
<laughs> you ever had that before? I did Muller's Room in Sioux City one time, uh-huh. and uh, the headliner was like, he did political comedy, and then he rode a unicycle and juggled like bowling pins was his closer. <laughs> I was like, how is that comedy? You know, like it's, it's amazing. Yeah, it's entertainment. It's like I saw a dude yeah. who he didn't do that, but he did like some really cool juggling shit. Like apparently he opened for Michael Jackson. Oh, Chris Bliss. Yeah, and I found him to be—he was an amazing juggler. He is. He, did comedian. he do the lights and the gloves so, yeah, and the tennis balls? And then, but then as as a comedian, I was like, no. Well, I no. I worked with him in Milwaukee, and this lady came out. And I was featuring, and she went to the MC. She goes, uh, she goes, man. She's like, you're a really good looking guy. And then she came to me, and she's like, and you are hilarious. And then she goes to Chris, and she goes, and you're, eh, and just like walks out the door. She's like, fuck you. And seconds later, some guy comes up to Chris Bliss, and he goes, just an idea. I'm just throwing it out there. Next time, five minutes of comedy, 55 minutes of juggling. <laughs> this guy goes, go fuck yourself. But, I mean, that's the thing, though. Of, like, how do you become a professional juggler? Yeah. Right? You just push it into your stand-up act. And it's, um, and I know we're probably going longer than you want to, but ah, uh, I uh, I got to work with Mick Foley a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I worked and, with him. He's uh, cool. Nice enough dude or whatever. Uh, completely unfunny. Yeah. Uh, it just... It wasn't for me, but the place was packed, and they were going ape shit for it. And uh, I got to—I asked a local guy who was like an open mic or whatever. I'm like, "Are you enjoying this at all?" And he's like, "Well, I grew up a wrestling fan. I was a big Mick Foley fan, so as a wrestling fan, I enjoy it." And then he's like, "As a comedian, no." And, it, and it's just one of those things. Yeah. Like, where would Mick Foley go? Like, yeah. how does he do it? I so. tell you what, man. Though the story he tells about falling off the top of the cage and losing sure. his shoes right. is probably one of the funniest stories sure. I've heard in a long time. Sure. But the rest of it is just—he brought me on. Did he bring somebody on stage to do the fuck bit? No, with he didn't uh, do that. Diamond Dallas Page. No, he didn't do that bit. That? He, had, he had a uh, a Down syndrome boy get on stage three times. Oh, and I was okay. like, no, no, no yeah. Mick, stop get, it, get, stop him, it. get him off. It was too much because yeah, you he, couldn't get this kid off stage. He had a bit where he was telling a story about how Diamond Dallas Page would wrap his legs in cellophane and sleep naked because he got hot all the time. So he was rooming with him in Stone Cold, and they thought it would be funny to put a bunch of cookies in his bed. So he jumped out and was like. Go, he went on this tirade of like swearing, but he couldn't swear because of his contract. It was all bullshit. But he's like, I'm going to bring Mark up and he's going to do all the fucks so I don't get in trouble. So it was this whole thing where he goes, just just run with it. You know, there'll be some fucking and fuckers in there, but you'll know where it comes, you know. And he's like, and then he said, how about a fucking, a fucking, fucker, fucking, fuck you. And the place was just going nuts over sure, it. And they were sure. like, God, you guys must do that all the time. I was like, nah, it's just rolling with the punches, Fine. you know, but... Fine. Nice enough, too, yeah. but it, it, made, it made me angry that he was there. Yeah. Because... It's not only, comedy. He was only there one night, too. Yeah. He was only there the Friday night, and I was there with uh, Nate Timmel, yeah. and the rest of the week with Nate was headlining, and it was it was not even close to being full when Nate was there. And I was like, uh, like so I know why clubs are doing it, but I'm just like, yeah. if, if you were a person who was just coming for, like, comedy purposes... You'd be like, well, that was interesting, but yeah. I'm probably never going back. And I would say the same thing for Steve O. I've heard Steve-O, about yeah. him of like he's very entertaining, but it's just not funny. Like he'll tell yeah. his joke. He t- apparently he tells like two jokes, and they're like straight jokes. Yeah, it's like uh, when I worked with David Keckner 
from. Yeah, I worked with Dave. Dave was, Dave was probably like the funniest yeah. of these celebrity people. Yeah, yeah even so he's not really standard. Tom uh, Arnold. Yeah. It's, it's a, you're just telling bullshit stories about celebrities I work with. It's just where we're at. It just it kind of sucks because the funniest comics that are out there aren't bringing the people in, and then yes. all these semi celebrities are filling the room. Yeah. So. And it's unfortunate. I feel like we're ending on a yeah. And I, well, I, you know, I apologize. Tell me your favorite joke <laughs> ever. Go, go. And done. Give us, give us your best joke. What do you got? I got nothing. You I, got, I got nothing, Mark. I'm tell, not, come on. No. Tell, tell me something. No. There's a joke about waffles and cocks. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I punch you straight in the gut. <laughs> waffles All and right. cocks. Uh, to, wrap, to wrap this up, okay. tell me... Tell me, the, tell me the funniest story that's happened at Grin since you've been in MC there. Uh, one of the one of the more interesting ones was uh, it goes back with the comic you already mentioned, Pat Godwin. Okay. Pat Godwin was headlining the show. I forget who the feature was, but the feature's on stage, and there is a party there that's giving him a whole lot of problems. Okay. Like some guy specifically is giving him problems, and it's a party of probably about twenty people, right? So we eventually, during the features act, we kick out one of the guys. And I think maybe he's like the main guy. And these are all relatively big dudes. Yeah. So we kick the guy out. And so because we kick the one guy out, the rest of the party is like, fuck this. And so they all get up to leave too. And they're kind of being dicks. So what happens is Grins, for the people who don't know Grins, we have the showroom. And then people exit out kind of like these swinging doors. And there's like a staging area there where people will sell their merchandise. And then... They go, they take another set of doors and they walk downstairs. Grins is on the third floor of this building. So in the staging area where people would do their shirts, there's a whole bunch of like yelling and shoving because they're like, well, you got to pay your tab and this and that. And so meanwhile, the feature ends. I go back on stage. I intro Pat. But me, while I'm doing that, I don't know. There is a fight happening between this party of like 20 and bouncers. Like there were legitimately like 10, 15 bouncers up there to kind of deal with this because Grins is in this entertainment yeah, complex. Yeah, it's a complex. So there's a lot of bouncers there. There's like there. dance club, restaurant, dance club, comedy restaurant, club. All, like, all sorts of nonsense going on. Yeah. So there, legitimately there is this brawl happening and women are involved and drunk dudes and the bouncers and Pat's on stage <laughs> and he is yelling at me. He's like, Stu, what's going on back there? And I'm just yelling, I don't know, there's a whole lot of shit. People are fighting. It's amazing. So he's like doing play-by-play, kind of. On He's playing his guitar and everything. And it was just amazing how he was dealing with it. And he keeps yelling back at me, like, the score, and whatever. And it was just, it was so funny at the moment. It seems it was like, a, those, like just so much mayhem, man. It was. It, you know, Grins, for the most part, is a relatively good club. But yeah. You just have these fucking douchebags sometimes, and you got to deal with them, so... I yeah, think, that was great. I think mine was uh, when I was there with Chad Corb. Were you MC that week? Yeah. Where that lady with her laugh, where it was just completely asinine. Yeah. Like it was her real laugh, but yeah. it was just ridiculous. Yeah. Like you went up there and she was just loving everything you were doing. It was just like. <laughs> the dolphin? I mean, it was just like, what the hell? And then Chad's up there and she is losing her shit. But the rest of the crowd is like, what is this? Because they thought it was fake. Right. So you went back up and made some kind of reference to it. Like, you know, this lady is enjoying herself. This is her actual laugh. Like, let's just give her a break, you know. And 
uh, I guess like bouncers told her to be quiet. So when I got up there, it was like nothing. <laughs> and I was like, what the hell? So then I hit, then I hit a joke, like a couple jokes that she liked, and and she went back off on the dolphin thing. And then there was a lady right in front of the stage that was doing the same laugh. Like and I go, her. oh God, we got a second one, and she's like. No, I'm just mocking her because I hate her. And I go, whoa, what are we doing here? And then they got up and left, and then these people were pissed, and I was just like, what the yeah. hell, man? I got off stage, and uh, and she's just, like, fawning all over Chad, like, oh, my God, you're hilarious. I can't believe they shut me up. I couldn't stop laughing. You were the greatest comedian of all time. And then she looked at me and just left. <laughs> <laughs> We get uh, that all the time. Though, I yeah. love Corb. Yeah, he's fucking crazy. I, I remember those shows too, man. That was weird. That was very weird. I think he, uh, I think what saved me that week was bringing him back up to do the uh, recorder thing when we did uh, all those songs and stuff. But Fine. Stu McAllister, where Our can people love. find your stuff? Uh, StuMcAllister.com. And uh, that's S T U M C C A L L I S T E R. Cause why I, the hell don't you have elementalp.com? I do have I have elemental podcast or elementalpodcast.com. Oh, so I have okay. that for my podcast. Okay. So there's that too. Uh, so yeah, my name is always spelled wrong. Yeah. Legitimately, everywhere I go, whether it's first or last name, is spelled wrong. Yeah. So I'm like, how hard is it? I mentioned that happens to you a lot with your last okay, name. Yeah. You know. But I'm, I would think that uh, it's just that's why I went to largedrunkman.com because I was like, Pulos. How do we figure this out? Right. It's uh, but how much like Google research? Li- li- limited Google research can you do to be like, alright, how do you spell the last name of this guy again? Yeah. There we go, it's that simple. So, well, you should so. see, you should check out if, if LMNOP.com is still available. Might be. It might be some other company like yeah. Limp Magic. Elementary school. <laughs> Elementary school teachers love my shirt. No. Like, oh, this is the greatest shirt ever. I'm just going to yeah. wear it because yeah. they don't know. Yeah. yeah, it is a clean shirt. It's a very clean shirt clean if you shirt. don't know why it, what it stands for. <laughs> People told me you should put the whole thing on there. I'm like, no. No. <laughs> Are you out of your No, no. no. That, you fucking retard. So. All right. But thank you for having me on, Mark. Yeah, it's thanks, been a lot too. Of fun. You, and, uh, it's been a while since I've been on. Yeah, man. It's good. You got, uh, you got the bug started, so. Oh, that's good. I, I, I inspired you something. Sh- yeah, you did, man. Something good. I think this went a little better than our interview in the lobby <laughs> of the hotel. The Riverfront Hotel. <laughs> yeah. Listen, it's that was my first podcast ever, so I was like, "This is so weird because I don't know what to talk about. Like, what are we doing? We're just sitting shooting here talking." Yeah, shooting the shit. It was good, it. man. Yeah, I might have to. Have, you've you've changed my mind again. I think I'm gonna have to have more guests on here because I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna. But no, man, it's it's a blast. Guests are so, fun, man. Podbean for the podcast on my iTunes and LargeFrontMan.com and. Uh, Tune in next time when we talk about who knows.